You know, a lot of people have asked, what happened to the Church of Jesus Christ after the death of His Apostles? In the next five minutes, we're going to show you exactly what happened to His Church and where it is today. God is our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. He has a body of flesh and bone that is glorified and perfected. He wants to communicate with us, and we can communicate with Him through sincere prayer. We can show our love for Him through our choices and our obedience to His commandments. He has provided us, His children, with a way to be successful in this life and to return to live in His presence. However, we must be pure and clean through obedience in order to do so. The wonderful thing about the Gospel of Jesus Christ is that it provides help with current concerns and challenges. The home, not the schools or workplace, is the best place to teach learn and apply the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A few hundred years before the birth of Jesus Christ, people fell into apostasy, which means they fell away from the truth of his gospel. When the Savior began his mortal ministry, he established his church again on the earth. After the death of Jesus Christ, wicked people persecuted the apostles and church members and killed many of them. With the death of the apostles, priesthood keys and the presiding priesthood authority were taken from the earth. Without the apostles, over time the doctrines were corrupted and unauthorized changes were made in church organization and priesthood ordinances such as baptism and conferring the gift of the Holy Ghost were gone. Without revelation and priesthood authority, people relied on human wisdom to interpret the scriptures. Much of the knowledge of the true character and nature of God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost was lost. This apostasy eventually led to the emergence of many churches. The Savior's apostles foretold this universal apostasy. They also foretold that the gospel of Jesus Christ and His church would be restored once more upon the earth. And when the circumstances were right, Heavenly Father once again reached out to His children in love. He called a young man named Joseph Smith as a prophet and through the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, through Joseph Smith, it was restored to the earth. But many ministers claimed to have the true gospel. Joseph desired to know which of all the sects was right. The Bible taught that there was one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. So as Joseph sought the truth among the different faiths, he turned to the Bible for guidance. He read in James chapter 1, verse 5, which says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now because of this passage, Joseph decided to ask God what he should do. In the spring of 1820, he went to a nearby grove of trees and knelt in prayer, and he described his amazing experience. He said, I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head, above the brightness of the sun, which descended gradually until it fell upon me. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defied all description standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. In this vision, God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ appeared to Joseph Smith. Even though many good people believed in Christ and they tried to understand and teach His gospel, they did not have the fullness of the truth 
or the priesthood authority to baptize and perform other saving ordinances. Now, as God had done with Adam, Noah, Abraham, and Moses, and other prophets, he called Joseph Smith to be a prophet through whom the fullness of the gospel was restored to the earth. Joseph Smith was directed to organize the Church of Jesus Christ again on the earth. And through him, Jesus Christ called 12 apostles. A living prophet directs the church today. This prophet, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is the authorized successor to Joseph Smith. He and the present apostles trace their authority to Jesus Christ in an unbroken chain of ordinances through Joseph Smith. Knowing that doubt, disbelief, and misinformation would remain after centuries of darkness, our loving Heavenly Father brought forth an ancient volume of Holy Scripture comparable to the Bible, which contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. This volume of Holy Scripture provides convincing evidence that Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God. This record is the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. In order to know that the Book of Mormon is true, a person must read, ponder, and pray about it. The honest seeker of truth will soon come to feel that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. This message of the restoration is either true or it is not. And we can know that it is true by the Holy Ghost as promised in Moroni chapter 10, 3 through 5. And no one can know of spiritual truths without prayer. In answer to our prayers, the Holy Ghost will teach us truth through our feelings and our thoughts. Feelings that come from the Holy Ghost are powerful, but they are also usually gentle and quiet. Knowing that the Book of Mormon is true leads to a knowledge that Joseph Smith was called as a prophet and that the gospel of Jesus Christ was restored through him. I want to leave you with my testimony that I know that the Church of Jesus Christ is on the earth today, that it is led by a living prophet who speaks and guides his church today, that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that it is hand in hand with the Bible teaching us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, that His church has been restored to the earth. That you can know as well as you pray to know that these things are true. I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, a lot of people ask, where did we come from? Why are we here on this earth? And where are we going? In the next five minutes, we're going to answer that for you. You know, many people wonder, where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? The plan of salvation, also known as the plan of happiness, it gives us the answers to these questions. God is the father of our spirits. We are literally his children and He loves us. His whole purpose, His work and His glory is to enable each of us to enjoy all of His blessings. Agency, or the ability to choose, is one of God's greatest gifts to His children. Our eternal progression depends on how we use this gift. We must choose whether to follow Jesus Christ or follow Satan. 
You know, Adam and Eve were the first of God's children to come to the earth. They were created in God's image with bodies of flesh and bones. In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve their agency. He commanded them not to eat the forbidden fruit or the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Obeying this commandment meant they could remain in the garden, but they could not progress by experiencing opposition and mortality. They could not know joy because they could not experience sorrow and pain. Satan tempted Adam and Eve to eat the forbidden fruit and they chose to do so. This was part of God's plan. And because of this choice, they were cast from the garden and out of God's physical presence. This event is called the fall, which is the separation from God's presence being spiritual death. Adam and Eve became mortal, subject to physical death or the separation of the body and spirit. They could now experience disease, all types of suffering. They had mortal agency or the ability to choose between good and evil. This made it possible for them to learn and progress. It also made it possible for them to make wrong choices and to sin. In addition, they could now have children. So the rest of God's spirit children could come to the earth, obtain physical bodies, and be tested. Only in this way could God's children progress and become like Him. You know, life on earth is an opportunity and it's a blessing. Our purpose in this life is to have joy and to prepare to return to God's presence. However, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, every person on earth has an imperfect mortal body and will eventually die. If not for the Savior Jesus Christ, death would end all hope for a future existence with Heavenly Father. Along with physical death, sin is a major obstacle that keeps us from becoming like our Father in Heaven and returning to His presence. In our mortal condition, we often yield to temptation, breaking God's commandments and sin. During our life on earth, each of us makes mistakes. Although it sometimes appears otherwise, sin also leads to unhappiness. It causes us feelings of guilt and shame. Because of our sins, we are unable to return to live with Heavenly Father unless we are first forgiven and cleansed. Now, as with physical death, we cannot overcome the effects of sin by ourselves. We are helpless without the atonement of Jesus Christ. Before the world was organized, our Heavenly Father chose Jesus Christ to be our Savior and Redeemer. The atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ made it possible for us to overcome the effects of the fall. All of the prophets since the world began have testified of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. We will all suffer physical death, but Jesus Christ overcame the obstacle of physical death for us. The reuniting of body and spirit is called resurrection, and it is a gift promised to each of us. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we will all be resurrected, regardless of whether we have done good or evil in this life. We will have a perfect, immortal body of flesh and bones that will never again be subject to disease, pain, or death. We are not responsible for the fall of Adam and Eve, but we are responsible for our own sins. You see, God cannot look upon sin with any degree of allowance, and sin prevents us from living in His presence. Only through the Savior's grace and mercy can we become clean from sin so that we can live with God again. 
This is possible through exercising faith in Jesus Christ, repenting, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. You know, Christ promises to forgive our sins on the condition that we accept Him by exercising faith in Him, repenting, receiving baptism by immersion, and the laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, and striving faithfully to keep His commandments to the end of our lives. Through continuing repentance, we may obtain forgiveness and be cleansed of our sins by the power of the Holy Ghost. We are relieved of the burden of guilt and shame, and through Jesus Christ, we become worthy to return to the presence of God. As we rely on the atonement of Jesus Christ, He can help us endure our trials, sicknesses, and pain. We can be filled with joy, peace, and consolation. And paying the penalty for our sins, Jesus did not, however, eliminate our personal responsibility. We must show that we accept Him and that we will follow His commandments. At death, our spirits go to the spirit world, but death does not change our personality or our desires for good or evil. Those who chose to obey God in this life will live in a state of happiness, peace, and rest from troubles and care. Those who chose not to obey in this life and did not repent, they live in a state of unhappiness. In the spirit world, the gospel is preached to those who did not obey the gospel or have the opportunity to hear it while on earth. We remain in the spirit world until we are resurrected. When our bodies and spirits are reunited through the resurrection, we will be brought into God's presence and be judged. We will remember perfectly our righteousness and our guilt. If we have repented, we will receive mercy. We will be rewarded according to our works and our desires. Through the resurrection, all people will become immortal. They will live forever. Immortality is a free gift to all people, whether they are righteous or wicked. Eternal life is not, however, the same as immortality. Eternal life is a gift of God given only to those who obey His gospel. It is the highest state that we can achieve. It comes to those who are freed from sin and suffering through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is exaltation, which means living with God forever in eternal families. It is to know God in Jesus Christ and to experience the life that they enjoy. God rewards us according to our works and desires. There are different kingdoms of glory to which we may be assigned after judgment. Those who have repented of their sins and received the ordinances of the gospel and kept the associated covenants will be cleansed by the atonement of Jesus Christ. They will receive exaltation in the highest kingdom, also known as the celestial kingdom. They will live in God's presence, become like Him, and receive a fullness of joy. People who do not accept the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ but live honorable lives will receive a place in the terrestrial kingdom. This kingdom is compared to the glory of the moon. Those who continued in their sins and did not repent in this life will receive their reward in the lowest kingdom, which is called the telestial kingdom. Brothers and sisters, I want to bear my testimony to you that God loves each of His children, that He has a plan for you and a plan for me, and that as we do our personal best every day to follow His plan, which is the plan of happiness, that you too can be blessed. I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
You know, if Jesus Christ taught one gospel, why are there so many Christian churches on the earth today? In the next five to seven minutes, we're going to answer that for you right now. Only through the Savior's grace and mercy can we become clean from sin so that we can live with our Heavenly Father again. Because of Christ's atonement and resurrection, all people will be brought back into the presence of the Lord to be judged according to their works and their desires. The Savior satisfied the demands of justice for those who repent of their sins and endeavor to keep all of His commandments when He stood in our place and suffered the penalty for our sins. This act is called the atonement. Because of this selfless act, Christ can plead with the Father on our behalf. Heavenly Father can apply mercy, withhold punishment from us, and welcome us into His presence. Our Heavenly Father shows mercy when He forgives us of our sins and helps us return to dwell in His presence. However, Jesus did not eliminate our personal responsibility. He forgives our sins when we accept Him, repent, and obey His commandments. Through the atonement and living the gospel, we become worthy to enter the presence of our Heavenly Father permanently. We must show that we accept Christ and that we have faith in Him by keeping His commandments and obeying the first principles and ordinances of the gospel. The first principle of the gospel is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Having faith in Christ includes having a firm belief that He is the only begotten Son of God and the Savior and Redeemer of the world. Heavenly Father blesses those who have faith to obey His Son. Faith in Christ leads us to action. It leads to sincere and lasting repentance. We want to show our faith by obeying Him. We pray in faith for strength to conquer temptation. As we live a specific commandment, we learn the truthfulness of it by experience. We also grow in faith by hearing the Word of God and by reading the Word of God. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, He can heal us, both physically and spiritually. The second principle of the Gospel is repentance. Our faith in Jesus Christ and our love for Him leads us to repent or to change our thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors that are not in harmony with His will. Repentance includes forming a fresh view of God, ourselves, and the world. When we repent, we feel godly sorrow. We stop doing the things that are wrong and continue doing the things that are right. Bringing our lives in line with God's will through repentance is a central purpose of our lives. We can return to live with God the Father through only Christ's mercy, and we can receive Christ's mercy only on the condition of repentance. To repent, we recognize our sins and feel remorse or godly sorrow. We confess our sins to God. We also confess very serious sins to God's authorized church leaders who can help us repent. We ask God in prayer to forgive us. We do all we can to correct the problems our actions may have caused. This is called restitution. And as we repent, our view of ourselves in the world starts to change. As we change, we recognize that we are children of God and that we need not continue making the same mistakes over and over. If we sincerely repent, we turn away from our sins and we do them no more. We resist any desire to commit sin. 
our desire to follow God grows stronger and deeper. Sincere repentance brings several results. We feel God's forgiveness and His peace in our lives. Our guilt and sorrow are swept away. We feel the influence of the Spirit in greater abundance. And when we pass from this life, we will be more prepared to live with our Heavenly Father and His Son. Now we should continually improve to develop Christ-like qualities and to grow in knowledge. As we repent daily, we will find that our lives will change and improve. Our hearts and our behavior will become more Christ-like. Faith in Jesus Christ and repentance prepare us for the ordinances of baptism and confirmation. An ordinance is a sacred ceremony or rite that shows that we have entered into a covenant with God. God has always required His children to make covenants. A covenant is a binding and solemn agreement between God and man. And God promises to bless us, and we promise to obey Him. God sets the terms of gospel covenants, which we either accept or reject. Keeping covenants brings blessings in this life and exaltation in the life to come. Now, covenants are usually made by the means of sacred ordinances, such as baptism. These ordinances are administered by priesthood authority. Through the ordinance of baptism, for example, we covenant to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ, to always remember Him, and to keep His commandments. As we keep our part of the covenant, God promises the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, a remission of our sins, and being born again. Jesus taught that we must be baptized by immersion for the remission or forgiveness of our sins. Baptism is an essential ordinance of salvation. No person can enter the kingdom of God without being baptized. And Christ set the example for us by being baptized Himself. Baptism by immersion is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Savior. In a similar way, it represents the end of our old life of sin and a commitment to a new life as a disciple of Christ. The Savior taught that baptism is a rebirth. When we are baptized, we begin the process of being born again and becoming spiritual sons and daughters of God. We must be baptized to become members of the restored church, which is the Church of Jesus Christ or Latter-day Saints, and to eventually enter the kingdom of heaven. This ordinance is a law of God and must be performed by His authority. A bishop or mission president must give a priesthood holder permission to perform a baptism or confirmation. Now, little children do not need to be baptized and are redeemed through the mercy of Jesus Christ. They are not to be baptized until they reach the age of accountability, which is eight years of age. We also regularly renew the covenant that we make at baptism by partaking of the sacrament. By partaking of the sacrament worthily, we promise always to remember His sacrifice. We renew His promises and we receive anew the promise that the Spirit will always be with us. Jesus taught that we must be baptized of water and also of the Spirit. Baptism by water must be followed by baptism of the Spirit or it is incomplete. Only when we receive baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost, can we receive a remission of our sins and become completely spiritually reborn. We then begin a new spiritual life 
as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, after a person is baptized by water, one or more authorized priesthood holders lay their hands upon the person's head and confirm the person a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They then confer the gift of the Holy Ghost. And those who receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and remain worthy can enjoy His companionship throughout their lives. Now, the Holy Ghost has a sanctifying, cleansing effect upon us. The Holy Ghost testifies of Christ and helps us recognize truth. He provides spiritual strength and helps us do what is right. He comforts us during times of trial or sorrow. He warns us of spiritual or physical danger. The Holy Ghost provides the power by which we teach and learn. The gift of the Holy Ghost is one of our Heavenly Father's most precious gifts we can receive in this life. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, we can feel God's love and direction for us. This gift is a foretaste of eternal joy and a promise of eternal life. The priesthood authority needed to perform this ordinance, which was lost centuries ago through the apostasy, was restored through the prophet Joseph Smith. Only through the membership of the Church of Jesus Christ can one receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This authority makes the church different from any other religion in the world. By the Lord's own declaration, it is the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. Now, once we have entered the straight and narrow path by our faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, and the ordinances of baptism and confirmation, we must exert every effort to stay on the path. We do so by continually exercising faith in Jesus Christ, repenting, making commitments, and following the Spirit. Once we have been forgiven of our sins, we should try every day to remain free from sin so that we can always have the Holy Ghost with us. In the covenant of baptism, we promise our Father in heaven that we will obey His commandments for the rest of our lives. Now, if we fall short, we must repent in order to retain the blessings of the covenant. We promise to do good works, to serve others, and follow the Savior's example. In the scriptures, this lifelong commitment is often called enduring to the end. Eventually, as we follow this way and we press forward with a steadfastness in Christ and endure to the end, we are promised that we shall have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, I know that these things that I've shared with you are true. I know that Jesus Christ lives today. I know that His gospel is on the earth, that we have living prophets who are His mouthpiece to me and to you. And I leave these things with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, some people say that the commandments should be rewritten. I say that they should be reread. And over the next several minutes, we're going to talk about the commandments. You know, God gives us commandments for our benefit. They are instructions from a loving Heavenly Father to help us have happy lives. Obedience to the commandments brings us peace in this life and eternal life in the world to come. He blesses us as we strive to obey His commandments. God commands us to pray to Him. 
and the Lord taught us to kneel and pray in the morning and in the evening. Through daily prayer, we receive divine guidance and blessings. We should always pray sincerely. We should also pray with real intent, which means that we are committed to act on the answer that we receive. We begin our prayers by addressing our Father in heaven. We end our prayers by saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We should express gratitude and thanksgiving for our blessings. And as we pray with faith, sincerity, and real intent, we will see God's influence in our lives. He will guide us in our daily lives and help us make good decisions. He will bless us with feelings of comfort and peace. He will warn us of danger and strengthen us to resist temptation. He will forgive our sins. We will feel closer to Him. We must learn to recognize His influence in our lives. We must learn to listen to the still, small voice of the Spirit. The scriptures are written records of God's dealings with His children as recorded by prophets under the influence of the Holy Ghost. We diligently search the scriptures to understand truth. We feast upon them because they are the open door to revelation and show us what we need to do and become. The approved scriptures of the church are also called the standard works or the standard by which we should live. They are the Holy Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. We should study these sacred books daily. Our Sabbath behavior is a reflection of our commitment to honor and worship God. By keeping the Sabbath day holy, we show God our willingness to keep our covenants. Each Sabbath day, we go to the Lord's house to worship Him. While there, we partake of the sacrament to remember Jesus Christ and His atonement. We renew our covenants and show that we are willing to repent of our sins and mistakes. On this day, we enjoy rest from our labors. As we attend church services and worship together, we strengthen each other. We are renewed by our association with friends and family. Our faith is strengthened as we study the scriptures and learn more about the restored gospel. We should refrain from shopping on the Sabbath and participating in other commercial and sporting activities that now commonly desecrate the Sabbath. As church members endeavor to make their Sabbath activities compatible with their intent and spirit of the Lord, their lives will be filled with joy and peace. When we are baptized and confirmed, we enter into a covenant with God that we will take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ and that we will always remember Him and keep His commandments. In return, God promises the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, a remission of our sins and being born again. God is the source of all truth and we can have faith in Him because we know that He will teach us only truth. God wants all of His children to know the truth. Therefore, He reveals the truth necessary for salvation through prophets and apostles. He reveals truth to us personally through the scriptures and personal revelation. A prophet of God is chosen and called by God and is a righteous man with great faith. Now Christ Church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets who direct the church by revelation. The Lord called Joseph Smith as the first prophet and head of this last dispensation. His successors, who lead the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints today, are also prophets and apostles. The president of the church today is a living prophet. 
And we are to have faith in God's chosen prophet, gain conviction of his divine calling, and follow his teachings. Those who listen to and follow the counsel of living prophets and apostles will not go astray. Heavenly Father gives us commandments so that we will know what to do and what to avoid in order to receive the blessings He wants to give us, such as joy, peace of conscience, and lasting happiness. God revealed to Moses the Ten Commandments to guide His people. He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Other gods can include possessions, power, or prominence. He said, Thou shalt not make thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long in the land. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. The Ten Commandments are still valid today. They teach us to worship and show reverence for God. They teach us how to treat one another. Now, God delights in chastity, and He hates sexual sin. Chastity includes strict obedience and abstinence from sexual relations before marriage and complete fidelity and loyalty to one's spouse after marriage. Those who live the law of chastity enjoy the strength that comes from self-control. They enjoy confidence and trust in their family relationships. They can enjoy more fully the influence of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Those who break this law are subject to a lasting sense of shame and guilt that burdens their lives. Now, chastity requires faithfulness in thought and action. We must keep our thoughts clean and be modest in our dress, speech, and actions. We must avoid pornography in any form. We should treat the God-given procreative power in our bodies as sacred. Baptismal candidates are to live the law of chastity, which prohibits any sexual relations outside of a legal marriage between a man and a woman. They are not to participate in abortions or homosexual or lesbian relations. Those who have committed sexual sins can repent and be forgiven. The Lord revealed through the prophet Joseph Smith a law of health called the Word of Wisdom. This law teaches us what foods and substances we should and should not use to maintain the health of our bodies and to keep us free from evil influences. The Lord promises blessings of health, strength, protection against evil, and greater receptiveness to spiritual truths. Remember that our bodies are sacred. We should treat them with respect and reverence. The Word of Wisdom teaches us that we are to eat healthy foods. It teaches very specifically they were to avoid harmful substances including alcohol, tobacco, tea, and coffee. We also must avoid harmful drugs in any form. To be baptized and confirmed, those you teach must give up these substances. People who obey the word of wisdom are far more receptive to spiritual truths. Tithing is an ancient divine law. For example, the Old Testament prophet Abraham paid tithes of all he possessed. To those who pay tithing, the Lord promises that He will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. These blessings may be temporal or spiritual, but they come to those who obey this divine law. Now, tithing means one-tenth, and the Lord has commanded us 
to give a tenth of our increase, which is understood to mean income, that we may be blessed. And this law of tithing gives us the opportunity to help build His kingdom. Our tithes are holy to the Lord, and we honor Him by paying tithing. God promises to abundantly bless those who pay an honest tithe. Those who do not pay tithing rob God. They keep for themselves something that rightfully belongs to the Lord. We should seek first the kingdom of God, and tithing is an important way of doing that. Paying tithing is an expression of our faith. It is an outward sign of our belief in God and His work. The tithing funds are used to support the ongoing activities of the church, such as building and maintaining temples and meeting houses, carrying the gospel to all the world, conducting temple and family history work, and many other worldwide activities. Tithing does not pay local church leaders who serve without receiving payment of any kind. The great blessings are available to those who obey God's commandments to fast. Fasting means to go without food and drink for a period of time. Usually the first Sunday of each month is set aside as a special day to fast for two consecutive meals, pray and bear testimony. Fasting and prayer go together. When we fast and pray with faith, we are more receptive to receive answers to our prayers and blessings from the Lord. He promises us that He will guide us continually. We should fast and pray for specific purposes. Fasting is private and spiritual. We should not draw attention to the fact that we are fasting. Pure religion includes caring for the poor. We are to help them meet their physical and spiritual needs. When we fast, we donate money to the church for the care of the poor and the needy. We call this a fast offering. We give at least the amount of money that we save by fasting for two meals. However, we need not limit our contribution to the cost of two meals. We are encouraged to be generous as our means allow. By caring for the poor, we help fulfill our baptismal covenant and retain a remission of our sins. Great blessings are available to those who obey God's commandments to fast. Brothers and sisters, we hope that as we have gone through these discussions with you, that you have been able to feel the love of our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We hope that you've been able to feel of the truth of His gospel and are willing to take the next step of faith and becoming a member of His church, that you and your family might be blessed. I want to leave you with my witness that Jesus Christ lives, that He is our Savior and Redeemer, that He gave His life, that I might be able to live mine. I know that the Book of Mormon, along with the Bible, is in fact Scripture, that you can know the same simply by taking the James 1-5 approach to ask of Him in prayer. I know that we have a living prophet a latter-day Moses here upon the earth who is the mouthpiece of the Lord to us in our day. He leads and guides this church. These things I know to be true, and I leave them with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Yeah.